Learning and Yearning is an ongoing project from the high school section of TCTELA. TCTELA's goal is to advance the literacy growth of all Texas students by developing a network of diverse professionals and by providing professional development based on best practices in education. Welcome to Learning and Yearning, a monthly podcast for teachers in Texas. I'm Ivy Gowdy. And I'm Andy Parlow. We are your hosts on this educational journey. We're We're just here to remind you, yearn and learn is what you do. Hello, and welcome to our September episode of Learning and Yearning. Our focus this month is on our marginalized populations. We had some really big plans for this episode, but alas, COVID and the beginning of school. So it's it's a little bit pared down. Ivy and I are going to have our hot topic discussion, just the two of us. And we were able to work in a really good interview with Jason Crespin. Um, he did not tell a whole lot about himself. He's a bit humble. So I'm going to let Ivy kind of tell you a little bit about Jason. Sure. Like you will hear, he has recently been named as the Managing and Artistic Director of the Amarillo Little Theater. Previously, he served as the Amarillo Little Theater Academy Director, where he taught and directed students ages pre-K through 12. What he didn't say was that he, he was named Broadway's Ultimate Fan, where he helped cover the 2015, 16, and 17 Tony Awards. He was a winning contestant on NBC's Hollywood Game Night and a top four finalist in Live with Kelly's co-host contest. So we um, were really lucky to get him, but I've known him for a long time, and I know his heart and his love for students, all students, um, whatever shape, size, color, uh, background they come from, they are his kids. And I think sometimes it's really good to go outside the school system and talk to teachers of other things in the community, because I feel like sometimes the kids give those teachers something that they won't give us. You know? Right. You know, especially, you know, in the theater community, um, if you've ever been around theater kids, you know that they they do have a different outlook, um, and sometimes they're not widely accepted into their school community. Yeah. Uh, but when they go to their theater classes, everybody treats them with respect and kindness. They get to be themselves without fear. Yeah, kind of equalizes the the platform. Right. I think. It's kind of like art kids. You know, I think people always forget that real artists are usually weird. Like they're not, they're not like the, the people who are great in social situations. They're, they really are a lot of the kids I think that we're going to talk about right. today. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the world through dif- a different lens. Definitely. Well, we have a good code read this month from uh, Dr. Shona Rose, and she's going to be discussing um, that ESSER money and how we're using it and how we should be using it to get the best out of the tutoring situations that we need to set up for our kids. Um, and then we'll also be hearing from the kids. So yeah, so on our topic of being other, first off, what are our populations? Yeah. Right. What are those populations that you feel get othered? For me, the ones that I, that I see most in my class are my LGBTQ kids. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't matter 
what race they are. They are automatically othered because of either how they talk, dress, or act. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, you take away socioeconomic and race, they're always going to be the kids that are the target. Yeah. Or I just see them as struggling at this age with their confidence. And so I think that you see it reflected in like everything they do. And, and I think that, you know, it's sad enough, but that kid that's looking for someone to pick on mm-hmm. is always going to be able to immediately see that right. in that kid. We've got our BIPOC kids. We've got our LGBTQ questioning kids. And, you know, with our inclusion classes, Ooh, um, yeah. you know, they say inclusion and we try our best yeah. and we differentiate, but the kids know when oh, someone's not definitely. Um, on their level yeah. and sometimes they're great. Yeah. Sometimes they're not depending on the behaviors they're presenting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of sad that we didn't get her here. We did have somebody coming in to talk about SPED that teaches basic English in our school. And, um, a lot of the things that she's told me, I think reverberate with me a lot. I've had those kids in summer school that she has. And when you hear, when you talk to them, like if you conference with them, it's really awful to hear them tell you that they've never had a teacher do something like that with them before. Exactly. And they can usually tell you some pretty brilliant things, Yeah, but they're usually left behind um, because they take a little more work. They take a little more TLC mm-hmm. um, sometimes to break down those barriers with behavior that they've, they've created for themselves yeah. so they can hide behind their disabilities. And I think, you know, I mean, and it's frustrating, like you said, the word inclusion. And I think inclusion is this word that originally was meant to try to make people feel like they're part of something. But now I look at what's happening, what's really happening. Yeah. And when you have a classroom with like 30 or more kids in there, and then you have like five inclusion kids, I don't, I don't know. I mean, are we giving the best education we can to anybody in that situation? Probably not. I mean, kids just get lost in the mix. Um, and why is it that, our inclusion classes are always our biggest. They are. Why, why are we expected to serve, um, you know, the kids who need handwriting skills all the way up to our GT kids in one class? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it happens. It has happened to all of us and we make the best. But like you said, are we serving our kids? Yeah. To the best of our ability. Yeah. We, we haven't even talked. I mean, then we also have our ESL kids and we haven't even talked about that yet. Right. So... I think that's, you know, I tell, I tell teachers this all the time because they, it's like sometimes some teachers come to me and they think that I'm going to have a magical program or a magical book of stuff that I can hand them to work with an ESL kid, but that's not how it works. You are your best resource, but you have to use those, some of the best qualities you have to help those kids. They're just looking for another human being to connect with as we all are. Yeah. <laughs> as all of our other, our marginalized populations are, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. Yeah. We, we recently had a kid in, in my room. <laughs> what, what did she say? She said, Oh, for new teachers, mm-hmm. just be kind and buy a couch. Yeah. She, <laughs> which I think is really funny. But I mean, when you think about it, this, this was a conversation you and I had the other day is that ultimately when we're talking about kids that are marginalized, I think you, 
you have to show them who you are. Right. And, and I feel like if you're not showing them who you are and you're not authentically being yourself, I feel like kids that are on the outside can see that better than any other kids that you teach all day long. Well, so I think what really happens when we talk about our marginalized populations um, is that a lot of teachers are still, for lack of a better word, just scared. I think, I think they're scared of what do I do? What, what do I do with that kid? Well, and I, I, I think that fear comes from a healthy place. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to serve the students in their classroom, but not having the tools or resources is scary. Yeah. Um, not knowing what uh, certain kids in your classroom need um, can make you doubt yourself yeah. and make decisions that, that might not be in the best interest of the student. Yeah but creating that space uh, for our kids to just feel welcomed is so very important because we don't look like them. No, we don't come from where they come from. We haven't seen the things. No. In all of these populations, we don't, we don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know what they go through every day. We know we'll never know exactly what it feels like to be them. And so I think when teachers do this thing, mm-hmm. I understand. I mean, cause we don't really. Right. Right. I, I think it's so much better if you tell them that. I will never understand what it's like to be yeah, you. That must be so hard for you. Yeah. But I'm going to try, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I read. So I think what we want to do next is we want to go into some tips for the classroom because we want to be able to help people face their marginalized populations with less fear, um, go into it with a bit of a healthier attitude right. and and see it more as the challenge that it is instead of, oh gosh, I got stuck with 10 inclusion kids in third period. Yeah. So we both came up with some things that work in our classrooms and we hope that these things help you a little bit. So uh, on the first day of school, I had a, I had a cart in my room and actually this came from our conversation last mm-hmm. month with Pernil Rip. Mm-hmm. I was like, I am going to do that this year. So I bought a little cart and I put some snacks in it. I put pencils and gum and band-aids and granola bars mm-hmm. and fruit snacks and said, this is for you. Mm-hmm. If you need any of these things, it is here. Yeah. And that alone has just allowed me to, to just right there, get in, get in with the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, these things cost money obviously. Um, but I had a kid offer, um, that he wanted to set up a, a, uh, a thing where kids could bring in snacks and, and help refill the cart because you know third yeah, week of school no. cart's empty yeah um, we need to I go buy them spend an exorbitant <laughs> right. amount of money on peanut butter crackers but they, you know <laughs> they they brag to their friends this is my teacher and she has snacks yeah yeah um okay so one one big thing for me and and really i can put the two together but i like to separate them out i think it drives me crazy when you walk into somebody's classroom and you don't know what they're teaching I think when a kid walks into your room, they should know at least or have an inkling of what they're going to learn in there. And so mine, I think, come down to you have to put you in your classroom. So some of the things that I've done are really corny. It's not it's not like, you know, building a rocket or anything like I've I've put some Doctor Who pictures up. I've got like Star Wars and some Ewoks in my room. I've got my Harry Potter Legos. Exactly. <laughs> if you there's another room on our campus. Um, she teaches biology or anatomy. I guess she's teaching anatomy now. Mm-hmm. And you go into her room and 
and you know who she is. Like she's got her interests on the wall. So she loves Firefly and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that those are those things that without saying a word, let kids know who you are and maybe find some kind of odd, weird connection with you that you would never verbalize. But like, oh, hey, look, you have Ahsoka on your wall. Oh, I love Ahsoka. Like, I think we're going to get along. I think they automatically <laughs> see you as a human because yeah. like, one of your students said it was so cute. Sometimes I forget teachers <laughs> are <teacher>. people <laughs> and they have lives outside yeah, of school. That we do dishes and, you know, <laughs> things like that. And I think on the other side of that, you put you into your classroom, but you also put your kids into your classroom. So when people come into my room, they're constantly like, it It must have cost a lot of money to do this or whatever. A lot of the things that are in my room are collected. So when a kid gives you artwork, keep it, put it on the wall. Right. When a kid says that they love Bruce Lee, get a Bruce Lee poster, yeah. put it on the wall. You know, um, that's been a big thing I've been doing lately is collecting posters and you know, t-shirts and prints and things like that to put along the top of the wall that really show who the kids in that class are, you know, give them people that could be inspirational to them. And the other big thing that, that we both do Mm -hmm. is have this sacred reading time at the beginning of class. And it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I don't really care what we're doing that day. We are (laughs) devoting 10 minutes and people always question me, are they really reading Yes. I hear it all the time. Yes, they are. Uh, Do I have a few that aren't? Yes, I do. But sometimes when I see that, I grab them a picture book and say, hey, I see you're not really into your book today. Maybe try this. And they're right into it again. Um, A a kid came into my room the other day during my conference and he was uh, showing it off to his friends. And he said, look, there's all these books and these plants. He said, this room is a whole vibe, especially when we get to read. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. My heart just like grew three sizes that day. (laughs) So at the beginning of the year with my kids, I have them help me build norms for reading time because I feel like that's another place where you put them front and center. You don't tell them the rules. You let them tell you what they need. Yes. And so that's the question. What do you need to be a successful reader for 10 minutes every day? And the things that come out are, we need to put our phones away. They tell you they need to put their phone away. Um, They'll tell you, I like quiet music. When nothing's on, it feels weird. It's too quiet. Like, and then they'll bring you music that you should listen to, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, because you're playing something and it hits and then they go, oh, hey, I told her about this. Like. And so, you know, inevitably you have classes where you have some rambunctious students. Oh, yeah. And so my trick with that is is to get their uh, leader you <laughs> on <know>? board <laughs> and then pull them aside. And I, I did this last week and I said, hey, I'm going to need you to step up and be the leader here. I mm-hmm. want you to go and get your book and sit down and don't say a word to anybody Yeah, and just start reading and let's just see what happens. Let's see if everybody follows you. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And he was so proud. And when somebody stopped reading that day or they started talking, he corrected them. Yeah. And I think that's what you need to do. You need to embolden them to realize, I think this is when we come down to our marginalized pops and we talk about how hard it is to be a teacher for them. I think you've got to drill down to the real issue. Mm -hmm. And the real issue is that 
it's not your classroom. You know what I mean? Right. We get possessive because it feels like our classroom. We have the key to it. Our name is on the door. Yeah. But ultimately, it's it's their English space. 4 AP. It's English 3. It's mm. ESL Sheltered 2. It's right. them. And they should be the ones that feel good in your space. They yeah. should feel... They should feel fearless yeah. in your room. And they should look forward to coming. To Absolutely. And then I think we both talked about this. Right. If we're going to have reading time every day, we do have to have that good diverse library. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, having books that represent all kids is so important, not just to just give them, hand them a book, you know, just to know that their lives, their stories can be represented. So they feel included. I feel like until it's also representation in the front of the classroom. And, and I'm really, I'm holding out for the day when you see more equality across who is teaching yeah. our classes. Well, and it, and it goes down to who feels emboldened and confident mm -hmm. because if we are not we are not emboldening our students yeah. from other populations yeah. to know that they can achieve these things as well. Then we'll never see change. I mean, it feels like a lot of them don't want to go into teaching. A lot mm. of them, if you talk to kids, I am surprised the kids that tell me that they even consider yeah. teaching as a career they would ever be interested in. So we thought we'd end our hot topic conversation with some books we think um, really represent the kids that we've been talking about. The yeah. kids on the fringes, yeah, the kids the who consider themselves other. Yeah. So let's talk about um, LGBTQ first. Oh, so many. And I, I have to say right now how full my heart feels lately with the amount of good quality literature right. that has come out like I mean I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about I, it's hard to pick it is I it's hard to pick titles just if we're going to talk about two oh my gosh yeah so we're going to give one each yeah. but we will have a a larger list yeah of we'll books. put it on anchor and I'm gonna see if I can't get it put on the TCTLA website too okay uh you recommended this but oh. and I've had four <laughs> students read it this mm -hmm. year already yeah. it's called flamer Ugh. and it literally says on the front this book will save lives and I believe it I did too after I was done with it oh I just finished Felix Ever After, and it's really weird, the succession that just happened to me because I read George, but reading that, and then I went into Felix Ever After, which is about a trans kid, and like, there we go. it just, it was good. Those yeah. two, um, Felix Ever After is Case and Calendar, who also did King and the Dragonflies, mm -hmm. um, just a great read. All right, so um, next let's talk about our refugee population, oh boy, our yes. ESL kids. There's we a have... lot of those too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you have, Andy? I, I think um, I have a book that blurs the line between LGBTQ and and like a refugee or immigrant kid. Mm -hmm. It's called The Magic Fish and it's a graphic novel. It really is about a Vietnamese kid who's dealing with being Vietnamese. Mom has stuff going on back home, but then he's trying to figure out how do I tell her I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And so it, it has the language component and it has the wow. LGBTQ component. So I'm going to recommend a picture book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're high school teachers. Oh, and we love We books. use them. So <laughs> this one is called The Proudest Blue. Mm -hmm. And it is about a young girl watching her older sister wear her hijab to school for the first time. Oh, wow. And how... Um, 
how much she's looking forward to when she gets older and she gets to wear her hijab. Yeah. All right. So then we move into our BIPOC population, which man, there's a lot. Oh my gosh. And there's really good titles out there. I mean, you get into Elizabeth Acevedo, you get into Tiffany D Jackson. There's yeah. Some good stuff. I'm going to go with, um, Oh, it's hard. I, I kind of want to go with maybe when they call you a terrorist, because for me, it was the first time I had really realized how young a lot of our, our black kids are when they're having their first interactions with police. Wow. And it, it really left that in my brain after I'd read it. So I'm going to go back to another picture book mm-hmm. because I also think we should be, um, Featuring books that also show positive lights. Yeah, definitely. That, that it's not always a negative thing to yeah. be of a culture. So this uh, this book is so sweet. It's called I Am Every Good Thing. <laughs> and he is a just a strong, confident black boy. And he is proud of everything that makes him who he is. Aww. And he lets you know. Um, sped. Oh, man. So, cause I mean, that's a big category right? when we say sped, like, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've got a couple, um, a nonfiction is, uh, the reason I jump and this is, uh, the voice of a 13 year old autistic boy. Mm-hmm. And he is, um, kind of talking about what it's like to be him and answering a lot of questions yeah. to kind of dispel some of the, um, negative things that you might see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of books I think that have autistic narrators now. I mean, you it started. I don't guess it started, but the really famous was you know the Curious okay, Incident yeah. of the Dog for sure. Time, which I'm sure I just said wrong because I get the <laughs> out of order every time. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say, it is a book that when my kids pick it up, mm-hmm. sometimes it is I feel the first time they've ever been exposed or to that kind of thinking right. to that, and they come in and they want to talk about him. Yeah. And why he is the way he is. And I'm like, well, I mean, okay, so let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is another book that's on the line with what we're going to talk about next, but I I probably would go with Hey Kiddo because I feel like um, it does such a good job of addressing trauma. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's definitely emotionally disturbed with what's Mm -hmm. happened in his family. And for sure. One category that we didn't really mention, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it can, fall under sped, but I think it deserves its own category as mental health disorders. Absolutely. Uh, um, and I think those are the books that really do save lives. I think so too. Um, one I recently read is how it feels to float Mm -hmm. and it's a new author. uh, She's from Australia Mm -hmm. and she just, she really, um, her character is so complex. Um, but she's struggling with, um, she hears voices, she's bipolar. Yeah. Um, and then how it affects her family life and home life and, you know, what, what she does at school, how she's not able to function in school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, knowing how anxiety mm-hmm. can pretty much rule your whole entire being. Yeah. Um, and that kid that's sitting in your class with those same thoughts is so very, so very tough and hard, um, to realize. Well, with thoughts, they don't even understand, Yeah, you know, with, with knowing that my brain just does these things Mm -hmm. and I have to try and be normal for lack of a better term. Right now. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I think our last category we wanted to hit on is books that deal with kids in poverty. Yeah. Um, 
for me, and and you brought this book up, and I was like, oh yeah, I did read that, and it mm-hmm. is a really good book. Is Benefits of Being an Octopus? Yeah, and I think it's it's so good at really highlighting, man, those those worries you have as a poor kid. I mean, I grew up with not a lot of money either, and and I can remember worrying about because my parents both smoked heavily in the home. Mm-hmm how bad I smelled and that I hadn't washed my hair in a couple of days. Cause we didn't have shampoo, you know, just things like that. And I think that book did such a good job of detailing those everyday worries that kids from poverty come to school having. Right. The one I read a couple of summers ago was reading with Patrick and mm-hmm. this is another nonfiction. Um, and he, the, uh, the author was a teacher for, for Teach for America, and she had the opportunity to teach some kids in the highest poverty areas in Arkansas. Yeah. Um, one of her students ends up going to prison for murder. Yeah. And uh, the story is about, you know, basically what happened and how he got there, and it was all due to poverty. Yeah. You know, if he had a lawyer that could defend him properly, he yeah. wouldn't have been in prison. And that happens a lot. Um, but her, her story was going in and visiting and teaching him how to read. Um, and so to end it up, we're going to just throw out a few professional development titles. So uh, <laughs> Cultivating Genius by uh, Goldie Muhammad. And she really just kind of breaks down the historical barriers uh, to education yeah. for, for kids that are othered, for kids who feel disenfranchised. And how do we reach those kids and really cultivate the beautiful genius that yeah. lies within them? Um, Push Out by uh, Monique Morris. I um, It is not in any means an educational professional development book, but the statistics in that book will scare you. Um, they will really, I feel like it called me to action with, with my black girls in my classes is to understand that they're passionate, to understand that they're entrepreneurs, to understand that Mm -hmm. these are all of these qualities that are beautiful about them, Mm -hmm. but that they get disciplined for over and over and over again. So I think everybody needs to read that book. I think for ESL kids, uh, I'm going to go with Amanda Stewart. It's called Keep It Real. It's R-E-A-L. It was one of the first books that when I read it, I was like, she gets it. She understands what it's like to have these kids that speak multiple languages in your classroom. And she has really good tips to help you to build your lessons and to differentiate for those kids really well. Yeah. So um, Trans Plus. Catherine Gonzalez, I know you're waiting for me to get yes. my copy back yes. from my sister. As soon as I get it, I'm going to give it to you. Transplus is really good. You have graphs and charts and statistics, and it's just really laid out in a good way. And And I I feel like it's good for adults to read it and for teachers to read it. But Yeah, and, and I think finally we have to mention uh, We Got This by Cornelius Minor. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it will reach every student, uh, no matter what population. It is, you know, his realization that when you stop and listen to kids mm-hmm. and you really make your lessons and your content catered towards them. Yeah. Yeah. Then you just have beautiful things in your classroom. I would agree. So we hope you can take these tips and these books and, and we'll put some lists up um, where you're able to get into this podcast. And, and I hope that we can help you feel better about, you know, what is kind of a hard, a hard area of our job, you know, you know, at the end of the day, just close your door, 
mm-hmm. and be there for your kids. And do what you know works. has garnered an army of support for our kids. To have such funding and resources to serve our communities presents a gift we have coveted and needed, yet it also provides some challenges. The service centers are offering training in high-impact tutoring through TEA, and you can find the high-impact tutoring kit on their website. The guide offers key research principles and program design, In addition, the guide explains how to assemble the team and develop workable schedules and curriculum resources. But over the last few weeks, I've had several calls from tutors and principals asking for one thing or another. We've all needed a sounding board for how we can best serve those in our church, often serving with limited resources and serving kids with a wide range of needs. It made me think about when I taught American history. We simulated the Battle of Gettysburg with bottles of ketchup. Each child had an identity card as an orderly, doctor, or casualty. First, those survivors had to perform triage and separate the wounded into categories of likely survival before calling the doctors, usually for amputation, triage. It reminds me of medical practices now, even. They use the data, of course, but decisions are primarily made during a conference with the patient, ruling out other things, and the best medical care looks for the root cause. In ELAR, our data will show that our kids struggle with inference and summary. Our kids will have trouble with revising and editing, but why? What causes that? As we begin to work with our students, our code red imperative is to triage conference with the student and then identify the underlying causes. If we're working on reteaching inference or editing, we might be treating the wrong problem. My friends and I came up with these categories to drill down far enough to find the right problems. Only then can we match the students to the solutions that will cause the growth. Step one, can the students decode and read with prosody out loud and in their minds? Listen to them read, model reading for them. Ask them to hear that kind of reading, maybe even your voice in their minds when they read silently. If students are having problems with decoding, teach ways to break down words and connect to meaning with context or dictionaries. When they struggle with a word, they should reread from the beginning to reconnect to meaning. Ask students to emphasize one word, at least per sentence, that helps emphasize the distinctive main points. Step two, what strategy are students using to set their purpose for reading and monitor their comprehension? Often, students will use a narrative strategy to read an informational text. Problematic. Step three, can students recall the information and find where it is in the text to reread and consider the text evidence? When students struggle to read, they can't remember everything and they struggle to find what they need. Marking the text with logographic cues that follow text characteristics and elements can ease the finding process so they don't have to reread the passage a thousand times. Using a storyboard or fact tracker on a piece of paper for note taking can also help students offload some of the cognitive demand from memory. This also produces a concrete, simplified text that helps 
with some of the online testing. As we all know, the more complex the tests and tasks are, the more concrete the text should be. We aren't going to fix the everyone online syndrome, but we can provide strategies to manage the online text. Step four, do students know how to process the questions with logical reasoning that matches the way the answers are wrong as well as the way the answers are right? For instance, do students realize that in summary, some answer choices will contain wrong information, misrepresent the main purpose or focus? Do they realize that some main answers will only be details? Do they know that picking something from the beginning, middle, and end might not fully represent the author's purpose and message? Students exhibiting problems with steps one, two, and three needing reading instruction for the foundational strategies that will lead to skillful reading. We do not need to see TEKS focused teaching until we see students struggling with step four. Yet most of our interventions begin with a TEKS focus. In returning to my medical example, that's like treating eczema with lotion. The cause is internal. By doing instructional triage, we can find what is below the data and solve the internal problems with EMAR. So we're here today with Jason Crispine, and he's just going to tell us a little bit about himself and who he is and what he does in our community. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, yes, Jason Crispine here. Uh, I am a lover of pie. I love good old, <laughs> give me any sort of pumpkin pie. I feel like that's a new a new way I should describe myself. Yeah, like, just, <laughs> just search aficionado, basically. Uh <laughs> Um, well, no, yeah, I, I am a theater guy. Um, people know me every time I'm out and about. They ask me about shows or theater, or if they're going to New York, they pick my brain about things. So I guess that's kind of my niche of, of is theater and, and teaching in our community here in Amarillo, Texas. And uh, uh, I, I am just one of those people that I think a lot of people know through weird circumstances <laughs> or things like that. But I hope, my, I hope that like whenever my time is done, that people will say, Ah, he was a good person, you know, yeah. a good friend yeah. and, and a good teacher or a good role model. And so that's what I kind of strive every day to be. Yeah, for it's sure. a good religion to have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> I always see you as just someone who's so positive and so encouraging. Mm. And I know your passions have been able to like really take you to some cool places. Yeah. 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 But you've done like some good stuff with the Broadway scene. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. There's uh, a couple of things that have happened in the past kind of five or six years. Um, of course, I'm the Amarillo Little Theater. Um, uh, I was the Academy Director. This is the first time I've ever done a, anything where I've introduced myself as not the Academy Director. Oh, right. yeah, so <laughs> new I, title. Exactly, yes. I am now the new Managing and Artistic Director for the Amarillo Little Theater. Whoop, whoop, uh, thank you. Yeah, I was uh, the Academy Director for 15 years. Um, kind of backtracking my story. So I actually grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, which mm -hmm. not a lot of people know about. It's about an hour north of Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad was uh, a security officer at the um, Los Alamos National Laboratory, kind of like what Pantex is basically. Right. And so grew up in the mountains there. It was beautiful. It was fun. Um, went to school with like 800 kids in my like graduating class. Like it was a huge wow. school. Like Yeah, I went to like a small elementary and the middle school was just huge two grades 1600 kids wow. and so it was a number and kind of got lost in the shuffle for sure yeah. and then um my dad got transferred to pantex and was like we're moving to amarillo texas yeah. and i was so mad i was mm. so mad i was like nope don't want to go how you know just was was not excited about it and we moved here 
and it was like the flattest, of course, of all, like <laughs> living in the mountains to where we have nothing that here. That would be awful. Yes, exactly. And I will say, growing up, I was I was a really shy kid. Like I was, I'm the third kid in in, in um, our family, and, and I'm the baby. And so my siblings are sports, 100% sports. My oh. sister, you know, should have, if she could have, she would have played football. She is um, uh, into sports. My brother, he was like a freshman at a 5A school and played varsity. Like mm-hmm. he was just oh, wow. legit sports. And then there was me. Yeah. Like, then they were like, <laughs> and I, like, had the, yeah, I had the build for football, but I was like, I, that is no. not my wheelhouse yeah. at all. I was always reading um, and, and, and just more so trying to be more creative mm-hmm. and my no one in my family was like that at all and so they were trying to figure out what do we do with this kid that's yeah. just not um in fact when, when I was small people would ask me like what do you want to be when you grow up and my go-to answer well this is so sad I think it's because I saw <laughs> La Bamba we watched La Bamba so many times <laughs> oh my gosh and I think I associated being famous with dying young mm-hmm. I guess I heard that a lot like oh they right. died young mm-hmm. and I thought that was like that meant that they're a celebrity and so for a while, I would, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, oh, I'm going to die young. And my family was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And they were like, you can't say that. Stop <laughs> saying that. And I didn't understand. Then finally they explained, no, yeah, yeah. that's not what that means. And I was yeah. like, okay. Wow. And then my go-to <laughs> answer, funny. right? Then my go-to answer was, I wanted to be a Care Bear. I was like, <laughs> legit, if I can get in a cloud, travel around, you know, just spread some happiness. And so, so my parents were like, yeah, this kid is definitely – Definitely not a sports kid. Um, and so then, uh, really, I, I, I will say in elementary school, I had a couple of teachers that we would always kind of do a show in class. And and um, and that kind of got me, got was like my niche. Like I, mm-hmm. I could be somebody else and yeah. could pretend to be somebody else. And that really opened up my personality and, and how I got to meet friends. So when I moved here, I knew I was like, I, I did more like speech and debate at the time. And yeah. so... Luckily, whenever the counselor and all that stuff, we were touring the school, they introduced me right away to the theater and, and speech mm-hmm. teacher. And so that kind of had like the little wing that I was under and yeah. met those kids. And then I went to Highland Park um, here in Amarillo, Texas, which is a small two-way school, mm-hmm. and and immediately was able to do so many things in that school wow. because you had to. We just didn't have enough people. Yeah, And, and that was a, a, a blessing because – Growing up when in middle school, we all know middle school is so hard and <laughs> challenging and so many things. And, and and I really, it was the perfect time for me to move. I hit like my growth spurt. I got contacts, like the mm. whole, like it was almost like that ugly duckling swan situation. <laughs> oh, you had your glow up. Oh, yes. exactly. Yes. <laughs> and man, did I need it. And so, um, and so then I just uh, started, um, it was my sophomore year of high school mm. and I had a dear friend of mine. And she said, I'm going to go audition for the show at the Amarillo Little Theater. Mm-hmm. They're doing West Side Story. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so I went to Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you listeners, Blockbuster was a magic place. You could go and you would get a, um, a little rectangle that was called a video cassette tape. It had a movie on it that we would put in another rectangle. And then that was called a VCR. And then we would play a movie. It was lovely. Friday nights at Blockbuster. Yes. And you would pray that your movie was on the wall. Yep. Maybe you could get popcorn. That was, yeah, a big deal. Yes. And so... Um, I rented West Side Story and was like, oh my gosh, I had no clue what this show is about. And I fell in love with it. And mm-hmm. they're singing and dancing and people that look like me. And so I was like, this is really cool. And so I auditioned for the show. And sad story, I got in and my friend didn't. Oh, Isn't no. that horrible? <laughs> horrible. Oh, no. It's the worst. And so I I fell in love with the Emerald Little Theater doing the show and met some friends and 
and then just started volunteering more and more and did shows and, and joined the academy the next year and and really found my niche and then mm-hmm. always throughout ever since i was 15 until now have always done something at the little theater um i uh i, I graduated from from highland park um I've, I've always been that kid that's always worked really really hard in school my sister was valedictorian so at an early age i knew oh, what that meant yes. and it was and it mm-hmm. was it was challenging and my sister was very very smart and uh, my brother was more sports and just kind of got he was smart but he just didn't apply himself as much yeah. in school yeah. And I saw that. And so I saw how my parents treated my sister and my brother differently with when it came to school. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take the easy route and just be really good in school and study. So I won't have like all this headaches and, and, yeah. and confrontation from my parents. And so I worked my butt off. And so I was salutorian, yeah. not valedictorian, but I was at least salutatorian. <laughs> wow. I didn't and know. so, yeah. And yeah, so, that's awesome. thank you. Yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but my parents, they, they didn't go to college. I yeah. mean, they, we have... My, my dad has like 10 brothers and sisters. We have huge families. My sister, though, my brother went to college, so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but we didn't have, like, we didn't know the knowledge of like, oh, I should go to a big school like Texas Tech or even just apply yeah. myself anywhere else. Yeah. I just knew, well, AC is the next step for me. And so right. I went to AC. Um, my freshman year, I went to uh, the Walt Disney World College program wow. in Disney World. I did an internship there for theater, and it was great. And learn more about myself yeah. mm-hmm. um, because all throughout that time, I grew up, I mean, I'm still Catholic. I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. but all during that time was trying to figure out who I was, right. who I was yeah. and, and was trying to suppress feelings and try to understand. And my family comes, I mean, my family is very loving, but we came from a family that was like, we didn't talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. We prayed about everything. Just go and yeah. pray and it'll be fine. Yeah. And that's what I did. And so really until I went to Walt Disney World and was on my own, at 18 years old, thousands of miles away from my parents at Disney world, which is still a safe space, but like on my own was when I realized, Oh, I might be gay. (laughs) Like like me wanting to be a care bear actually might be that I'm gay. (laughs) And so, so kind of came to terms a little bit with that, but it was still trying to figure things out and came back home to Texas and was, was really battling. That was, was kind of a conflict of trying to figure out who I was and then um, my parents retired, and so they moved back to New Mexico. So I was I was in Texas by myself and still learning and different things like that. And luckily, I will say I had such good a friend group and, and a core group, mm-hmm. really at the little theater, that I could see positive people mm-hmm. that were gay. Because yeah. growing up, I always thought of that as such a negative thing. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have anyone in my family that was mm-hmm. that was either out or, or was gay. And, and certainly, I, I mean at that time there wasn't really anything in the media that was so, you know, that we could watch or relate to. And so, so I struggled with that for a very, very long time. And when I came to terms with it, this is so weird because I thought I want to tell my family because I respected them and I love them, but I didn't want to do it until randomly until after I graduated college. Yeah. And I guess in weirdly my, in my mind, I thought that's when I'm an adult. Like I'm no longer a student and my parents weren't helping. I mean, I mean, they would help with school as best they can, but I would, I was on scholarships and I worked tons of jobs. So it wasn't like I was relying on them. Like if something, if I told them they would cut, there was no cutting off or anything. Like I was, I was independent, but I guess I just, in my head thought, yeah, this is now I'm an adult because I'm no longer a student, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Sadly, there was a, a a thing at my graduation party where I had just like hugged somebody, which funny enough was a very straight person, but I hugged them goodbye. (laughs) And my brother saw it and was like, huh? That that's not how I hug my friends, kind oh, of boy. a thing. And so, kind of planted a seed of questioning in my mom. And so, my mom was like, 
I don't want you to work at the theater. I don't want you to do any of these oh, things. Because wow. I was trying yeah. at that point to yeah. try to work at the theater. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want you to do any of the, you know, I think you should move back to New Mexico. All of these things. And I was like, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And she kind of said, well, your brother saw this and he thinks that, that or, he, or he he saw this and and he just, we don't think you should be around the theater, blah, blah, blah. And so I just said, well, what's going to happen when I tell my brother I'm gay? Wow. And she was like, yeah. what? No, no. I was like, no, I'm gay. And that so was that's just, how you told him. So there it is. my mom oh. over the phone well. two days after Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, how is he going to react to this? Oh. Basically, what happened with that was my mom was just like, was reacting to things. And I, it took, there was times when I wanted to respond but I knew if I would respond, it would have been a negative outcome for, yeah. for our family. Yeah. And I kept having to tell myself, my mom has had 24 days to deal with this. I've had 24 years. Yes. And I had, and I, that was just echoing in my head so much that I was like, it's going to, we just all need time. Mm-hmm. And so what I would, what I ended up doing was I would write my mom letters and I never mailed them. Yeah. But it was helpful for me to get that out right. and yeah, feel yeah. like I was able to express that. And then, and then of course, over time, mm-hmm. Everything was was better with my mom and then my dad, but I still had that hesitation. I never could come home and just say like, or to my family and be like, oh, this is who I'm dating. Let me get yeah. relationship yeah. advice or anything. It was just like, we just never talked about yeah. it. Yep. Um, come then full circle to when I was, I started dating somebody in 2010 and things were going great. And we, we ended up a two years or a year later moved in together. A year after that, we bought a house, still never really talked to my mm-hmm. parents about my relationship. And then he proposed. <laughs> then I'm now engaged. I still haven't really talked to my parents oh, wow. about it. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like this those whole are world. moments that, yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. straight people kind of take for yes, granted. Yes, to the, celebrate. The and celebration just... of, of moving through those stages. Yes, yeah. 100%. And, and, I, and I didn't even, I mean, I, I had my sister. I will say I had my sister and, my, and kind of my brother, but my sister was always there. So I could talk mm-hmm. to her. She had met him and all this stuff. And so we were planning on getting married in September mm-hmm. and it is now like end of July, yeah. about to be August. And I'm hey. like, okay, like it's I got to tell my parents. Mm-hmm. So I woke up one day, I emailed my work and I said, I'm not going to be in today. And I drove six hours to my parents' house, surprised them for lunch. They had no clue I was there, but they were so excited. And then, um, uh, or I said, I need to tell you guys something important. And my dad jokingly was like, you're getting married. And I burst into tears. And I was oh. like, I am. Oh goodness. And I said, <laughs> I'm, his name is Michael and all the stuff. And instantly my parents were, Oh my gosh. So supportive. Oh wow. That's and my, wonderful. yes, which I was, it was like, I don't yeah. know how, how this is going to be. And I'll never forget. My dad said, he goes, I'm so glad you told us or told, or he said to me, I'm so glad you told me because now I know more about you and I can love more about you. Aww, and of course yeah. burst into tears. Oh, and then yeah. it's like, Oh, still gives me goosebumps. And then three years later or, or three years ago, Divorce. Oh, <laughs> I yes. went through a divorce. It happens. And, I, and this is where I knew my parents were so good with everything because they were so sad about my divorce. Oh, like they, yeah. You know what I mean? They like mourned yeah. it and they loved my That's husband. So it's hard. And all this, I've and been through one. It's not easy. Sure. And so, so it was one of those things where I was like, man, looking back where I thought we were with my family and then where we are, it was just like, wow, like we've come full circle with that. Everyone's grown. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say that all of that, what I always had was the theater. I always mm-hmm. had my friends at the theater. Yeah. I always had, had my work to keep me busy or different mm-hmm. things like that. Oh, all of the kids now are way braver than I was. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. in, in some capacities, yeah. you know, depends. because I, that was something I wanted to ask you yeah. about was like the culture. Oh, that you grew up sure. in. Sure. I mean, like I said, I grew up Catholic. Nobody in my family was gay. We, I didn't even know what that meant. Really, I was 10 years old 
when my cousins were over, we had a huge birthday party for me. Uh, no, I'm lying. I think it was like nine. I was, I was nine. Mm-hmm. And, um, basically they were like, well, you know what gay means? And I was like, no, I don't what, what do you mean? Yeah. They're like, that means when you like some, like the same sex, like, yeah. you like a guy likes a guy. And it was like this realization. And I always described it as like, I knew what, it was almost as if I knew what color the sky was. It was this, this shade that I didn't understand. And then I knew that the, um, on a, a thing, this, yeah. this meant blue. Mm-hmm. And it was like, somebody was like, you know, the sky's blue. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. And it was connecting those yeah. two things. Like I feel this way. And that means that. And it was like light bulb. Yeah. And I was not well with it. So then suppressed all of that at like nine. This was what, like early nineties at this yeah, point. And so there was never like, time. let's go to therapy or let's no. have a child psychologist or let's talk. No, it was just, no, we never talked about anything. <laughs> yeah. And so now when I look at like, especially like me, like media, like TV shows or movies, yes. there's so much more representation mm-hmm. of so much diversity, yeah. um, the gay culture, everything to where it makes me feel like, okay, good. At least they're seeing representation for me too. I have, I've had, you know, a handful of students that either have come out to me or have not come out to me, but have expressed that they have problems going on and different stuff like that. And, and I always tell, I always tell people my story. Cause I, a lot of times people think, or I always think telling my story might help somebody they might think I have it all together. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I never had it all together. <laughs> yeah. Like I needed my therapy as much as anyone else or, yeah. or I needed my friend group or just needed a good dessert. That's yes. why I was so chunky for so right. long. Yeah. Like, oh, I tell everyone this body yeah. is built by chocolate. Cake. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, you know, telling stories is a big thing that yeah. we're ad- advocates yeah. for because I, we want our kids to see us as, as people, as humans, yeah. and we see them as humans. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I think yesterday I was talking, I'm like, I was talking about some ideas I had for writing and I was like, Ooh, I think I need to bring that up with my therapist. That is a, that is a <laughs> kind of a dark yeah. path that I haven't explored sure. yet. And they looked at me, I'm like, yeah, go to therapy. I yes. mean, I need, I need an outlet. One Therapy is a natural thing that 100%. you need to do to be healthy. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. thing too, I think with kids, I don't have, I never, I tell them, I don't have the answer. I, I do not have the all, all answer yeah. that's going to fix everything. Yeah. I can just tell you my experience and I can give my advice. I want them, I would rather have all of my kids safe mm-hmm. than me to judge any of them. Absolutely. At all. And so, so in a weird way, mm-hmm. I also think that's why I don't have kids, like yeah. my own kids. Because mm-hmm. everyone's like, why don't, why don't, why aren't you a dad? And so I think it's, I've, you are I, in some <laughs> yes. capacity have, <laughs> yes. have, have had that yeah. fulfilled in my life from all of my students over the years. Mm, I say it. And Mother so, of many. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Say. Yeah. For sure. For sure. You definitely feel that way when, you, yeah. when you're doing these jobs mm-hmm. for the right reasons, mm-hmm. you, you feel that way. And, and I've had, and I know, I mean, I, if who I am helps them learn, then that's, that's, I feel like how I can teach them. I'm not walking in saying, hey, everyone, I'm Hispanic. In case you don't know, yeah. I'm Hispanic yes. and tortillas are great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's all eat tortillas. I, I have do, tacos. Yeah, that's exactly. my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite food? Right. Tacos. Yeah. Every yeah. time. I love <laughs> like, yes, I mean, we don't have to advertise everything yeah. about no. ourselves. Yeah. Like, I mean, no. that's not something you should have to advertise. Right. right. Um, have have any parents specifically said to you, I've, I don't approve of this and I sure. don't want my child around you? No, no one has said that. I that's have good. seen, there, there yeah. was a couple of times where I was like, that's weird that the, like maybe that family is gone or something. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, maybe, maybe it was because of me. Maybe it wasn't. There was a, uh, I remember there was a family and I felt, I don't, I guess I was just naive. And so I was about to get married. And so we sent out, we had a little reception for like kind of a, academy parents that were doing it for me. Yeah. And I gave them a list. 
And then the next year mm-hmm. or the next sign up, I noticed like a, a family that I had sent that to was no longer there. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, I was like, I, I mean, I knew that they were, you know, religious, but they were very, and never ill will to me in person or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I always wondered like, mm, I wonder if they might've been like, we're okay to step yeah, out of this program maybe. because of that. But, and then on the other side, I've had families that have said, you know, we never had anyone in our life that was gay or we yeah. never had anyone. And so you've helped us understand like yeah. we, we were those people that were like, no, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But then now we know you and we understand who you are. And, yeah. Isn't and, that what it takes and, yeah. to have any kind of stereotype or preconception yeah. about what people are? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just need to talk to those people yeah. Yeah. and see their humanity. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm still not... going to care about your kid mm-hmm. and make sure that they get the best education they can from me. We have friends that we know are gay and that oh, are yeah. teachers. Sure. Yeah. And they, have basically been forced to stay closeted oh, wow. yeah. because, professionally yeah. because they just don't think as a teacher, that should be something that you, you need to, I mean, it's not like they would go and advertise it, but you know, we talk about our families yes. and our, our husband and yeah. our kids and it's, you know, it's a thing we talk about, yeah. but they have said, you know, they feel like they absolutely cannot because they know they will have so many parents pulling their kids out sure. or complaining. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, I just, I think, you know, where you are, um, is very, it's very cool that you can just do the things you do. Um, and have that support, well, which is surprising yeah. for Amarillo, Texas. Very you much know? so. Yeah. I mean, I literally was lucky that my employer was the Amarillo Little Theater, you know, mm-hmm. that my, that the staff at the theater, the board of directors mm-hmm. at the theater didn't, I mean, there was no, no if, ends or buts. I mean, yeah. every, they, they were invited to my wedding, like all yeah. of, I mean, they mourned when I got divorced. Right. And so, and, and, and I mean, yes, it's theater. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why, but yeah. But it, it does make me so sad when people like to imagine that what I went through in high school and really in college. And I feel like you almost if it's you almost could be like a FBI agent or a secret mm-hmm. service because you almost like yeah. live a different identity. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when not to talk about things, you know, just to shift the subject around or how to ice skate around something when people ask you stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, because I had that when I taught small, small classes, the kids would be like. Mr. Jason, are you married? And I'd be like, yes, because they would see my ring. Yeah. And they're like, tell us about your wife. And I was like, well, <laughs> like maybe when you're older, we'll talk about that. Like, am I? Because yeah. I was like, I'm not going to be like, well, five year old, let me tell you about this. Um, <laughs> yes. Amazing husband. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so, but actually, so, the five year old would be like, that's so cool. Oh, right. Like, yeah. well, but then uh, they would go home and tell their right. parents. Yes, and then it would yes. be, what are you doing to my child? <laughs> sure. And in fact, it's so funny. Whenever I was getting married, we had a, a mom and she had her son. And she was like, okay, this is going to be a good way for me to introduce this, this, you know, aspect yeah. of, of living to, mm-hmm. to, to him. And so she sat him down and she said, okay, you know, Mr. Jason, you know, that guy that comes around for shows. And she was like, well, they're getting married. Mm-hmm. And the little boy was like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? And she was like, oh, prepared. And then he goes, they're not already married. Oh, and I just so thought that was the sweetest thing. Yeah. Cause she was like. Oh, he did not even, it didn't fit. Like, yeah, he yeah. was just like, they've been together for like five, four or five years. Like, how is it taking them this long to get married? Right. And I just couldn't stop laughing about that. Of just like, okay. And then it makes you think, oh yeah, kids have to be taught. Right. They, they got to be yeah. taught to be certain ways yeah, or to view, definitely. you know, have their beliefs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and I always think too, whenever I encounter somebody, maybe that is an adult that doesn't understand or, or has a hard time, I'm like, well, 
you were taught to be this way. Mm -hmm. Like you were somebody, you know, older than you Mm -hmm. said that this wasn't right or you, you learned this aspect. And so I, I think I'm an, a weird person because I think I have, again, I think I just have my mom's patience where I, I won't, I won't, um, I'll try to be as understanding as I can. Yeah. And if they don't, if they were not like, yep, I'm on board for your life and all that stuff. I'm okay. I'm just going to keep living my life. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can keep living my life the way that you're living your life, then yeah. then I'm okay. Because hopefully you see that nothing negative happened. Yeah. And that maybe I change your mind yeah. at some point. I mean, I think it all comes down to when, when children see, students see their teacher being open and honest yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. about who they are. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, talking about humanity and, and what it what it means to kind of go through struggles, um, it really opens up those conversations yeah. that you can have with Absolutely. your kids. Um, because they sometimes have never had a person that they felt comfortable sharing hard things with, sure. you know, um, and no matter where their struggles yeah. are, it's yeah. just, it's just a beautiful thing to me knowing that I can be that person yeah. for someone. Yeah. You know? Oh, for I sure. I just always want to handle the Simon versus the homo sapiens agenda. And I tell them, I always frame it with, I think you should read this Yeah. because I heard some things that you said the other day. And I think that maybe you need to try to understand a different point of view. Yeah. And, and, you know, with Simon, especially you're going to see that this is just a normal kid. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing different. Yeah. He gets excited about being in love just like you do. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And then when you know that they might be a gay kid or something mm-hmm. and they read that and they bring it back and then you see this look and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's like, I got <laughs> you. I, I got know. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Theater and books. Music. And me- like yeah. that really, yeah. that's how we teach kids empathy mm-hmm. through 100%. those vehicles. Yeah. Um, to see how it is. And in theater, they get to be other people. Yeah. Yeah. And through books, they they can just see different things and people that they've never mm-hmm. experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love how they marry together. Well, yeah. and, and on the flip side, too, to see a theater piece as an audience member, you get to walk in somebody else's shoes by watching the show and understand, oh, somebody might have a... Um, they might live a different life or, or different things like that. And they still have heartache. They still have mm-hmm. celebration. And, and I think that's, we gotta, we gotta have that's that. That's the essence of yes. being a person. Where you can right? understand yeah. <laughs> and, and it invokes then conversation and it invokes. Yeah. So would you say as you were moving through middle school and high school, mm-hmm. did you have worries like when you were in classes and around certain teachers or around sure. other students? Sure. Like, and, and what were some of those thoughts? Cause I want, I want our teachers to be aware of maybe what's going through a yeah. kid's head so while I, they're sitting in yeah, their room. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there were definitely times where I felt so alone. Like, yeah. like there's this great play called Hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I love this play called Hoodie. It's it's a short play. Um, and it's basically how this person wore the same hoodie to school and, and didn't want to be identified or anything like that. And that was, that was me. Yeah. I had a huge oversized hoodie that I would wear to school because I didn't want to be identified. I didn't want to be stuck out i didn't i just wanted to be other yes which is our whole thing (laughs) it's wanted to be not seen basically and so there were so many times so many times where i I never will say like i was bullied like i was beat up or anything like that but there were so many times Mm -hmm. where there was not there was no communication of anyone being okay with anything i mean i think the first person i met that was gay in middle school i remember they were so like it was somebody who had come out in, in middle mm-hmm. school and everyone was so mean to that person. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's never going to happen to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. 
And so I, re- I mean, there were definitely times when it was, it was a struggle. It was a really struggle to go to school when you knew that you were going to go. I mean, I mean, I would cry myself to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and honestly, I was always a good kid. Middle school grades kind of slipped a little bit, which should have been a sign for yeah. my family. Like something's not right. He's always loving to go to school. Now he doesn't want to go to school yeah. and different things like that. And um, I will say, granted, as an adult now, I've gone through much therapy where I can now fully talk about it. But there were times in my seventh and eighth grade year that I was suicidal mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what was in my household? Guns. I mean, my dad yeah. was had, you know, gun collections and, and we grew up yeah. doing firearms and the whole nine yards. We we knew early on safety and the whole, all of that aspect. And so that crossed, that crossed my mind, I would say maybe mm-hmm. like two or three times a year that yeah. it would just, it was like, I could just stop it and, and it would be done. But I, but I knew, I think it was one, the Catholic guilt, like, <laughs> like I can't do that with so purgatory, much. all this There's stuff. So much and Catholic I, and I always knew that whatever I was going through, it would be whatever, whatever was happening to me, it was going to be worse if I did that to my family. Oh yeah. And I just knew I can handle this. So they don't have to handle that kind yeah. of thing. And and I think that was that not what saved me, but that was what I didn't want my family to deal with anything. Yeah. yeah. And so I just had this wall around me. And so that's why I think theater was so good for me because it was like, here, be somebody else. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, I can be, I can be anything else right yeah. now. And, and, and that's when people are like, you're funny or like, Oh, you're smart or different things like that. And got that positive affirmation mm-hmm. about things. And, and I mean, it was, and I never didn't tell my family, of course, about like any, I, I wrote about it in a journal. So that's what I always think about too. Whenever I have kids in a rehearsal mm-hmm. or something and kids, some maybe struggling with a scene mm-hmm. or something, I always, yes, I'll, I'll educate them. I'll say, you got to do this. This is, you know, I'll, I'll still be their director, yeah. but I always have in the back of my head. I have no clue what happened to you today. Mm-hmm. I have no clue if if you just so got yelled important. at from your your parent so or if you just did x y and z at school and yeah. you're paranoid or what like i have no clue what just happened to you yeah mm-hmm. so so in the in every now and then i will like as we're leaving or something i'll pull a kid aside and just be like are you is, are things okay yeah you know what i mean just just and sometimes i'll be like yeah i just had a bad day or this or that. and sometimes they're about burst into tears right. and they're just like it was not a good day and this and that and i'm like it's okay mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. um and or if that's at the beginning of rehearsal i'm like let's be we get to be other people today yeah let's let's go be at somebody else yeah and have have different problems for that character yeah and so, so yeah because just to be seen be and there. heard yeah it's yeah. three you know, words are you okay uh-huh. and i feel mm-hmm. like there's so many teachers that just don't say it yeah. sure yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i appreciate okay. you guys okay. so much oh this yeah great. i'm so, so excited what I, what I want you to end with here um we just want to if we want to come to the theater yes and, yeah. um, i know not all, all of our listeners are in amarillo but if you're ever through what are your your next shows that yeah. you guys are going to be producing? so i'm right now i'm directing sound of music at the amarillo little theater uh we um have a great season of shows we just wrapped up newsies over the summer um, we have two spaces, a main stage and an adventure space, where we perform nine shows a season. And then our academy performs three shows. So we perform 12 shows in a, in a year, which is a lot for, is a lot for the of size work. of our community theater. Yes. Um, but yeah, anytime that you're out and about in Amarillo and you want to come see a show, check out our website, amarillolittletheater.org. Um, give us a call at our box office, 806-355-9991. 
And I'm a big advocate. If somebody's like, I really want to come and I don't have the means, I don't have the money or whatever, mm-hmm. we will help. We will get you in the doors, yeah. come see live theater. Um, just, and it's so good. Yeah, Every show I've been to and, has just yeah. been amazing. Good, good. We want to provide the best form of not only entertainment for our community, but an outlet for our artists, an outlet for our mm-hmm. kids. You know, we always joke that that's their therapy. It's our therapy to go oh, on stage absolutely. and be somebody else. And yes. so we yeah. want to provide the best experience as we can. And, and as long as I'm there, it'll, it'll always be that way. So. What the kids say. In this section, you will hear from real students from across the state addressing some of our hot topic concerns. Do you feel different from other students? Yes, because it comes out of my disability and my comfort zone. Okay, it takes you out of your comfort zone? Yeah. Yes, I feel like different from other kids because I'm from a different country, different culture, mm-hmm. different belief, and we do different things how we, we was raised in there. Okay. I do consider myself different. I've always considered myself different ever since I was very little for multiple reasons, such as being part of the LGBTQ community and having a learning disability. I am indeed different from the other kids. Like, I feel like I'm like the only one that has ADHD and autism. I just feel like an outcast most of the time. I used to be more social back at my, you know, old school, but when I got to middle school, everyone was just so mean to me. They keep calling me names like Pink, and it was just annoying. Yes, um, I feel like I'm different from other kids because sometimes I feel like I, um, like I'm a, on lowest level than other kid, and I feel like I'm not that um, important than the other one. That's how I feel different from what other feel. I do consider myself different. I consider myself different as being a positive energy, always coming in, smiley face, just making everybody feel good the way I dress. It shows that I don't care about standards or about what anybody else thinks. Good. Do you feel like you have been marginalized because of your differences in classes by your teachers or by other students? like some teachers like actually know what they're doing and then other teachers don't. As, as far as like helping you with your accommodations? Yeah, some teachers do know what they're doing and others don't. Okay. Uh, yes, like especially I got treated like like different from other students because I'm, like, I'm from different country. Mm-hmm. They think like we're not dumb, we dumb, you know, like we don't think like common sense and stuff. Yeah. But sometimes like the way they look at it, yeah, I feel like they're judging each other. Yeah, like in a bad way or in a good way? Sometimes a bad way, sometimes in like, a good way, like some sort of respect, some sort of disrespect and stuff. Have you ever had a teacher make you feel bad? Yeah, because I don't know this answer question. He keep asking, I'm like, I don't know. And everybody was looking at me because they think I was dumb and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I be bullied. I got bullied one time back in sixth grade because of my race. Uh-huh. Uh, these people would be bullying me. Like they would call me Chinese and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, 
I got through the Berlin. Uh, it just like made me feel really bad. Have you ever had any teachers that made you feel bad? No. That you felt was because of your race or being a refugee or anything like that? No, they are pretty good. Uh, they treat me so well and they help me uh, with everything they can. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. They treat me just the way they want to be treated the same. Um, I have by students, not really teachers. Not many people can accept the difference, but it's okay because changing one person at a time every day helps. And that's why I'm here and that's why I continue every day to do what I do and be the happy smiling face of Tascosa. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yes, I have. I've felt um, distanced from my peers for a majority of my life. I've never had a lot of friends in elementary school because of how difficult it was for me to make conversation and keep conversation. So has anybody ever, um, I mean, I don't want to use the word bullied, but like said something to you because of your LGBTQ status? Yes, I have lost friends because of coming out to them. It's been really tough, but it's helped me grow as a person. for joining us on this episode of Learning and Yearning. We would like to thank Jason Crispine and Dr. Shona Rose for chatting with us. And also make sure that you tune in next month when we are going to be talking about fear. We thought we would get a little spooky since it's October, and we're going to talk about those things that teachers and students are a little scared of when we come into the classroom, and maybe some tips on how can we lessen that fear and make everybody more comfortable and do a better job. Music is provided by Fully Modern Kitchen. Be sure to go to tctela.org and get involved in monthly webinars, submit a proposal for February's conference, or join a section like ours. Full recordings of the interviews with our guests will be available on the TCTELA website. Thank you.